podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. You are listening to Good Brothers. Take the best part for yourself. Peace. Peace. Uh, so, Majestic. Yes, sir. Uh, this week, um, Andre Harrell uh, passed away on the 8th, uh, exactly, or returned. And, um, and he was uh, many things. And uh, in terms of our time growing up, though, very influential in a lot of the music and culture that we uh, grew up and went through. And, you know, and still has, you know, connections to a whole lot of what's going on since then. So, uh, what was some, uh, you know, I, we, we, what we discussed was having a discussion about, um, some of those, those, those impacts, but not, not so much from the perspective of like naming records and, and this and that, that that's not really our bag, but, um, some of the broader lessons. So, you know, maybe just let them know where we want to start and we'll just roll. Yeah. Yeah. No, actual fact. And, um, so, you know, when I look at, or looked at him on one level, I, it, it it was almost like a, a face value type of thing. Like, all right, Andre Harrell returned. Then I started to dig a little deeper, right? And I started mm-hmm. to look over interviews and, you know, and sometimes you got a guy that, you know, he just hits you with this whole fly thing, champagne and bubbles. Like, first of all, anybody that comes up with grown and sexy, black excellence <laughs> and champagne and bubbles is, is like quotes that still live on. <laughs> It's one thing, Indeed. right? Like Indeed. the Black Slang Hall of Fame to, to hit to get two pieces of uh, uh, two phrases, grown and sexy and black excellence that are commonly used. Um, mm. but, but actually, in a broader sense, he, he was he was a cultural force. And I think he was the first music man who understood himself as a cultural force in our generation. You can't, you got to say Barry Gordy, you have to say Clarence Avon. But when it comes to our generation, the hip hop RB generation, he was the first to acknowledge himself as a force and bring a experience, a very explicit experience. The uptown, the Harlem, Bronx, uh, you mm. know, lifestyle and, yeah. and, and caricature, and I'm not using caricature in a negative form of black life. You know what I mean? Mix it with like downtown culture and really present it to the world as a form of cultural power. And I think that that's really, really important Mm. because we all take that for granted, that level of cultural force of being on TV on Thursday night, of seeing yourself reflected in certain ways. That was the mind. It was it was in his mind to to forecast that along with some of the bigger, broader things we're going to touch on. Yeah. And I think that the, uh, you know, the 
sometimes when we talk about hip hop uh, and music and and R and B of our time window, because I mean, usually we'll make that derivation like you know that's rap, you know what I'm saying? It's hip hop, and that's R and B. Like you know what I'm saying, like R and B's over there. But all of this was happening, you know, even even the R and B of the time was happening within a certain perspective, right? And there were um, different channels going on um, in terms of. You know, it's like when you think about making a a, a pause tape or a little mixtape of songs you like. You know, what I'm saying in the late '80s, and you might have your you know your you know your rhymes, you know your songs on there. Then you might have a couple of like political some slow jams on, or some you know what I'm saying a lot of party songs. You know, what I'm saying that was really more R and B than uh than rapping. That's right. Um, and then At they that had point, right. right, and they had their own, but they it was like R and B songs that could be played with your hip hop. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, I'm saying, and that you wouldn't really miss a beat or had the same energy, um, and how that impacted, you know, the way you got together socially, or you know, some of them songs might have been songs those a little older than you could get with, you know, what I mean, when maybe they couldn't get with the, you know, the the, the some of the other uh, that, situations, that, that hardcore, yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, my mom was listening to Just Ice, but she could listen to Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Like, you know what I'm saying? And and that, um, but the realization of that and the the thing that often is left out of these the stories of creativity is sort of people whom from the, you know, the business perspective, however you may perceive it, um, can understand how to do the things that need to get done so that it can get out into the world, Right. You know whether we think those pathways are fair or legitimate or whatever, um, people actually do have to have a skill set. You know, what I mean, the men, the men and women that brought their, you know, their capacities, you know, to the background stuff. You know, what I'm saying, right, right, that is necessary to to get a, you know, a Jodeci. You know, what I'm saying, out of what was it, you know, four brothers from North, North Carolina, Carolina that's right, <laughs> moved to the project so they could get, you know, what I mean, get into the, you know, into music. You know, to get them from, oh, look at these four talented brothers, you know what I mean? Or at least, you know, pretty talented. I'm not totally sure about, uh, what's the, what's the fourth brother? About Dalvin? Yeah, I'm not totally sure. Da- Dalvin, Dalvin, was Dalvin was more <laughs> hip hop and he was guy, he was more the Michael Bivens of the yeah, crew. Yeah, a, a, a crew. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, I'm sure he contributed. Yeah. And <laughs> like, like Jerobi, you know what I'm saying? More Jerobi's out there doing yes, something. Right. Yeah. More rap. <laughs> and, um, like it takes though, and even now, I think the the element of knowing how to take this creative content that you have, but also figure out an audience, figure out a way to reach that audience, uh, figuring out how to position it, um, and then also still making sure it's good, <laughs> right? I mean, I I, think yeah. sometimes it's, it's lost in the sauce. Of like it's not just that; it also it has to be good. It has to be quality. But again, I think going back to this idea of packaging lifestyle, where you had a lot of other art, which was an individual's expression, right? Mm -hmm. When NWA came out, they actually were carrying lifestyle, but they were not self-consciously carrying the L.A. culture. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They they, they were doing it, but they were not like conscious about it. When, uh, When BBD, I mean, you know, even going back, they were... They were like, you know, new edition. They were carrying the uh, lifestyle, but they were not conscious about it. And what Andre Harrell did was from his very beginning, he was extremely self-aware. And I think Mm -hmm. in the context of things we talk about, self-awareness and how he turned self-awareness into cultural power. Right. He took Mm -hmm. 
and saying, hold on, I'm going to be the guy that wears suits on stage and other people wear, wear sweatsuits, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm marketing, I'm from the projects, but I'm marketing this, this idea of upwardly mobile lifestyle in 83, in 84, right? right? What we call right. grown and sexy, what we call grown man rap, they were, he was doing in 83, totally aware of it. Yeah. He was taking what happened in the rooftop, again, cultural power, looking at the, the cultural touchstone, Harlem as a cultural touchstone. And I think to your point, how do you package all this stuff and make it work? Is the difference between having an idea or having talent and having idea, talent, the drive and networks to actually matriculate in the space that hadn't seen it. Now, if, if we were to go to somebody and say, you know what, this is a lifestyle podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Well, everyone knows who that is now. Yeah, right. They be like, oh yeah, oh, lifestyle podcast. Lifestyle podcast. Let me get you. Okay, the lifestyle. You, you're black. Y'all professionals, and y'all, y'all you know what I'm saying. Y'all care for the community. And y'all take care of your kids and wear suits. That demographic, right? And we be like, yeah, that demographic. Yeah. Demographic. Sometimes you, you know, sometimes you want to channel a little bit of, you know, black as fuck, and you know, say something off brand to your kids, but you know, that's how it is. <laughs> Dystopian. Dystopian too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We get you. You. You know what I'm saying? But. There was no one who marketed that idea to be able to package a form of the black experience like Mm -hmm. that. And seeing the worth of the culture that was happening in the Uptown, happening in Bronx, happening in Mount Vernon, happening in black New York in that time, black and brown, because you can't say black without saying brown in this context, black and brown Mm -hmm. New York in that time. Yeah. And creating a so that's the thing for me again, going back to this like cultural power, right? And now the cultural power and the cultural zeitgeist of like quote unquote hip hop culture is acknowledged, if often abused. But I think he was the one to build on the Barry Gordys and the Clarence Avants to actually be a person of the time with some of those broader life lessons. And so one thing I want to talk about then is this idea of cultural power. Cause I've been, I've been working with, I've been struggling with this. So I listened to a mm-hmm. uh, tiny easy quote to Ezra Klein a couple of months ago uh, when Ezra Klein came out with his new book. Um, and tiny easy quotes and, and Ezra Klein talked about is really interesting. There's three forms of power. Cultural power, political power, and economic power. And they were making an interesting point that, like, the kind of Andre Harrell, but then all the things that are spawned from that, whether it's, whether it's uh, gender equality via the media, whether it's the LGBT community through the media, like, there was, there was, like, this broader sense of cultural power to the point where, you know, conservatives and racists often talk about how kind of, like, you know, black folks and the LGBT community and Latinos are like taking over the country, right? Mm-hmm. But what they really mean is they're taking over more of the airwaves, right? Mm-hmm. They're seeing more of these experiences, right? Like, there's only a couple duck dynasties, but there's a right. whole bunch of other stuff. You see what I'm saying? So, they're, what they're really responding to is cultural power. The cultural power is the idea. Again, of if in strictly business, a black man can be a a real estate broker. If in boomerang, a black man can be an ad executive, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
All right, well, then it starts being these things that become normalized that a black man can be president, right? So yeah. there's, this, there's, this, there's this really long shadow of cultural power, but the cultural yeah. power doesn't match the political power, mm-hmm. right? So while you have all these cultural expressions and you can have artists come out and say vote or not vote, you can have artists come out and do this, you can have TV folks say this and do this, when you look at the power base of America and the politics of America, especially during our time, we see now still like, uh, the cultural power and the political power ain't on the same level. Right. The political power has not changed nearly as much as the cultural power. Mm. And then yeah. not, not even talk about the economic power, which is, which is a right. compounded interest of 400 years specifically here, but then uh, eight to 900 years globally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, um, you know, I, 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 I would put, you know, his works, um, you know, in that pipeline of activity creatively of the 80s uh, into the early 90s um, of, of, you know, Asserting a, a more complicated images of black people, you know what I'm saying in in music product, but also in television, you know, and movies, you know that, and 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 you know, and I don't know all the ins and outs in terms of their interplay, but you know the, I would say the, I mean, in, in the 70s, you you had like the Jeffersons and Good Times, you know what I'm saying, were like the right. two poles of a like black representation on TV. And then depending on how you feel about different strokes, which I don't, that's more of a late 70s to 80s. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but particularly of like a family, you know what I'm saying, yeah. and a snapshot. So you have one as a business owner who we, we perceive as wealthy almost, you know what I mean, definitely least well to do. And right, then right. a working class family that's just trying to make it right, right. and that that's the that's the spread, um, you know. And in the eighties, you get uh, you know you get the Cosby's, you get uh, um, into the nineties, you get the, all the other like family stroke, not family strokes. What's the one with the with the cop uh, and the yeah, yeah, and family, all that. Matters, family matters, family matters, and you get the Kango and Mr. Cooper, and you get Living Single, mm-hmm. and you get you know what I'm saying you get a different world, and then so you got, but all of those had an element of you know, like a working class to middle class, you know what I'm saying, black experience. Right. You know what I mean? So people might have had other stuff, but the but the centerpiece of their story was not the struggle against their own poverty. You right. know what I'm saying? The, the struggles were these other things. It was social, right. they were. Um, and so then you get in, in, in with the Dairies uh, movies. Um, but also recognizing, and I mean, you know, we was obviously probably too young to... Um, experience it from a we going out perspective but the idea like you know i remember being a kid and having older you know relatives that was going out and it was like you going out to a club you had to put on like you know what i mean some stuff you couldn't just right. go to to the club without like a you know something that was a suit almost and or some, some sparkly situations and you know ladies had to put on certain kind of shoes right and that you made music but also accentuated that, you know, like the guy joins, you know, they in the club, they perform, and there's people dancing, they got shiny suits on and shit. That's right. It's a strobe light. Yeah. I think that in, um, uh, I gotta remember, man, I be thinking of all these books and then don't forget the whole name, but Dan Charnis, 
um, did a, um, a book and he talks about like the two headed beginnings of hip hop. And he talked, he frames his two be, two headed beginnings of hip hop in a sense of the Bronx and a very, um, a very multicultural gang influenced space, right? It's, it's a big payback, actually. It's called a big payback. Uh, Dan Charnas, anyone that's really interested in the history of hip hop and radio and R&B should read this. So, but he frames it like this. There's one side where the Jamaicans and Cool Herc is coming from Jamaica with a sound system and the uh, the B-Boys, the Puerto Rican B-Boys is doing all kind of new dances based on funk and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's, it's a Petri dish of everybody being together and creates this energy that we that we kind of frame this hip-hop, hip-hop out in the park, right? Right, 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 right. Then there's this whole other line of hip hop, which is Curtis Blow, Let's Go Get Fly, DJ Hollywood, play the record, you don't stop somebody playing instrumentals, right? Not the stuff that you were th- talking about over in the in the Bronx side. Not the Zulu Nation yeah. stopping the stopping the gangs, right? Yeah. This is more, man. We got fly, we came to the club, right? So to your point, the music was reminiscent of this idea of upscale living. Yeah. This idea of Harlem in the 70s and 80s as this cultural capital. So cap- yeah. capturing this complicated idea of Harlem as a cultural capital and all that came with that, right? And then wrapping that actually into movies. Again, going back to Strictly Business and Boomerang in particular, and although he didn't write Boomerang, he, you could definitely tell the influences of Andre Harrell and Boomerang. Yeah, we watch yeah. it. Yeah, um, but just you know, we laugh often laugh about it. But like the Halloran, the Halloran brothers of Harlem National Bank, right? Yeah, like you know, it's four brothers, three brothers who own a black bank in Harlem. Yeah, right. Which it has a tie with what was happening with the with the recitation, the kind of like trying to save and resuscitate the black bank movement in the eighties, right? Yeah. So like mm-hmm. this is all real parts, and like you said, complicated stuff that really framed us differently within a broader sense right and, and so i think that was that was really important because like the 70s was the jeffersons was you made it the rest of your peers didn't right so it was always yeah. the rags the riches leave leave them behind story right 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 and the only time he would go back is if we had to go back to one of his cleaners that was in the ghetto if you remember right. yeah <laughs> Right, like he never, like he never brought family over, right? He never brought family like over. Well, nobody right? come to the crib. Nobody came to the house, <laughs> so he was always kind of fighting this whole idea of blackness being defined with wealth. And I ain't bringing them other guys. And then the flip side, of course, is good times. We're really right. close to changing our lives, but we just but, uh, we but, just can't. Right, we got like, each other. The apple, got that moves, the, the apple that moves, like James and moved, James and worked on the uh, the, got the good job the on the pipeline. Line. Yeah, he didn't work on the pipeline and just get this money. To, about to move to the middle class. They about to be, you know, uh, what's the daughter name? She about to be Michelle Obama, right? Like, right, right. <laughs> you put it in context, the daughter, yeah. Yeah. the daughter was about to be Michelle Obama, right? Yep. 
and it just couldn't happen. It did. had to stay here and had to survive, right? So again, there's this framing. Cosby Show comes out, does a it does a intentional reframe, but also intentional ig- ignoring the other stuff. Like they intentionally yeah. reframed it and acted like there was this space where New York and Brooklyn in the eighties didn't have nothing else going on but just going to school. Like yeah, going to school, delivering babies, doing law right. cases, and yeah. having family stuff. Yeah, like you going to college, like crack going to college. Right, it wasn't, it wasn't no. It wasn't. You know what I mean? Like Cotchwood, yeah. Cotchwood Mayor, right? Right, right, right. It, it ignores any of the cultural context in order to provide your message. And I think what what Andre Harrell did, and and even looking at New York Undercover, like okay, no, the two black, the, the black and the brown guys, the, the good looking guys, yeah, they're cops. Yeah. Yeah, they're the people trying to actually save their community. They're not the vigilante, because, you know, the other element of black movies is the vigilante, right? Right, right, right. Like, <laughs> the big gun myself. Tote, yeah, the big gun tote, like my man Hawk, right? right. <laughs> my, 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 I'm sure my pop used to be like, man, why do you keep talking about this dude on TV, Hawk, man? No <laughs> one got this BMW. I'd have, man, if, if I'd have had a lady doing that, I'd have been mad as all get up. <laughs> Your woman just... Just stop everything and just watch Spencer for hire. Yeah, just watch Spencer for hire just to see Hawk get out the car with his big gun, like <laughs> in his leather jacket. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm the amorphous black man that's down to do something from the streets. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The black man in the shadows, right? So there was just this really interesting lifestyle shift that I would argue elevated the dialogue, right? But. Most importantly, because I mean, again, we the, the cultural elements of that just have they can they can spin out, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's also something really, really important about the life of Andre Harrell, and that's mentorship and sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, you and I talked about this. You know, there's always this, you know, Puffy's origin story is connected to Andre Harrell, as most people who are listening to this know, or you'll give some notes. Then you can mm-hmm. go check it out. Yes, um, so there's this origin story of this guy that worked really hard, wanted to be in the industry, was destined to blow, left his, left his mentor behind, created the biggest company in the world, and has been puffy since 1995, 96, right? But that doesn't really match the reality of looking at the relationship of Andre Harrell and Puffy, mm-hmm. right? Like, they have been intertwined for the last 30 years. I, read it in, I watched the interview where Diddy was like, I'm going to be honest, you're 10 years older than me, but you've been like my father, right? And I think... In the music industry and in the broader industry, we don't frame black men in particular as being willing to mentor, but also sponsor. I know, I know you got to, you know, I know you got a challenge with the men, with the framing of modern mentoring. <laughs> uh, so, if you would share that before we before we go, because <laughs> I just well, the, every time you talk about it, it makes me laugh too. Yeah, because it's the like. You know, the basic definition, you know what I mean? Look up a mentor, you know what I'm saying? It'll be, you know, like a wise advisor or experienced, you know what I'm saying, advisor. 
somebody an advisor you know you know clearly implying that this person can advise but they offer they ultimately see to you that you are the person in control um and then a lot of you know i do you know i'm in service work with young men and, and women and community um and it's always a wrestle when we start talking about mentors because i i, I fear that sometimes people there, there is a, I, there is a p- component to a mentoring relationship that you know, if you understand the theoretic influence, that I become someone that you trust enough, that you value my feedback enough, that you'll also, you may listen to it. You ultimately still make the choices, and if there's other people who you whose needs or interests you value higher than mine or higher than the advice level, you know, our our level of connection, you will also still tend to go, you know, with that force or that need. And, and we speak about that specifically around like criminogenic behavior and other stuff or, you know, un, you know, unhealthy behaviors that we're trying to help folks, you know, out, adjust out of. If those things that they're getting into are because they're trying to do something to take care of a family member or this or that or, or whatever they deem valuable, you folks will be like, oh, we'll get them a mentor. And then the, like, it's the, the implication is then that the mentor is going to ride in on the horse every time you know, they're having a rough one and, uh, you know, and just change <laughs> the uh, change in the direction of that individual without that individual's consent. Right. Um, and then when you as I moved through once, especially I really understood, you know, the, the dynamic of a mentor in my own life. I learned that, you know, like I said, a mentor is somebody that can put you, you know, can can make you hip to something that you need to know. Now, it may get deeper. Right. Right. Uh, in the professional context, um, you may get real into the weeds, you know, where that person is taking you along, pointing out something to you or making themselves available um, as you, you know, maybe if you're taking over a management role and you ain't been a manager before and they'd be like, hey, man, if you ever have questions about, you know, managing or your, your program stuff, you know, give me a call. Meaning they're there, they, they want to provide you access so you have someone that 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 has experiences that you, you know, you still need to have those experiences to get better, but they know that they have some things that if you come to them with questions, they may be able to help you. Right. Right. And then, and you know, on the, on the, on the, um, the level, especially I think it's significant with uh, Andre and Puffy is you have someone who's, you know, at a leadership position in, in, in creating music and, and all the stuff that goes with it in entertainment and them, creating a window for someone who they see who has ability and potential and, and what have you and to put them in play, so to speak, or to, 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 you know, help them with that. But that alone, it's not like they, they, you know, run their life, so to speak, or that, you know, like, you know, I'm Andre, I go over there and tell Puffy to settle down. Like, and then Puffy going to do what I say. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to go talk to, we, our relationship requires a base respect of each other's agency. Right. And if, uh-huh. if someone is a mentor to you, you know, a part of the reason that you trust them is that you understand that they're they're giving you this for your benefit and they're not necessarily trying to like tell you what to do. You know what I mean? It's the weird thing you'll see in a lot of situations now. Like, oh, go go find this person and ask them to be your mentor. And it's sort of like, I mean, why don't you ask them to have a cup of coffee? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Why don't you ask them, let me give, you know, can I have a conversation with you? And then if y'all develop a trust and a bond and they agree that they want to make themselves available for you and vice versa, 
then cool. Then maybe they will be mentors. But I just think it's it's, bana- it's bananas. Like, they'd be like, I'm gonna go call this person because I want them to be my mentor. It's like, nah, man, you 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 know you you don't necessarily get to choose who is gonna be you know, that that is going to decide kind of that, you know, and I think it's an old and trusted kind of sacred thing to me of when somebody sees something in you and through the natural flow of y'all connecting, they go, yeah, I want to make myself available to you, you know, to help you keep doing what you're doing. You know, and like I said, it can be more specific within a business context, you know what I mean? But even then it's still like, you still actually need to do the business. Like I'm not, right. I'm not going right. to like give you this playbook. Um, and, but you raise, I think, a very important piece to that that I think. Um, so, we, so yeah, so we'll do that. Then I'll get you get some feedback, and then we'll, we'll talk about the different derivation. But that's, to me, you know, is important about mentors. Because I can have a mentor who is a close peer, you know, maybe physically in age or whatever, but they have a, a knowledge in something that I'm I'm working on, and they give them, they give me some space to interact with them, right, and learn about that. You know, but then also, you know, typically, you know, I might ask somebody that, you know, someone that is more experienced in that field, but I have a lot of mentors and people that have been, had a, I've had a mentor relationship with that I either worked for, um, you know, and it was for a time and they put me on to some things and let me understand some stuff and help me develop, you know, and then I have to do a turnaround and make myself available to do the same thing for others that are trying to learn, um, you know, in many different aspects, but. Good. Yeah, no, no, I, I think you're right. Um, I think the, the the idea has been twisted in, like you talked about the networking and the origin of it with networking versus like, yeah. like, you know, everyone, it, it should be a symbiotic relationship, not a one-way relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and again, what happens is because with what we understand as mentorship in the black community is often divorced from really true networking. Right, it, with true networks, not networking, networks. Because I, because I would submit mm. there's a big difference between networking and networks. Maybe. The networks are one thing. You going out to try to create a network and usually force your way into someone's life is something else, right? And so, because of that, then like people are like, oh, I networked and I found me a mentor. That person, that person is successful and they're doing this. But do they, they tell care? me? <laughs> they're going to tell me how to be successful do they care about you mm-hmm. and do you care about them or is it strictly transactional right right and, and so for many people mentoring it's either and we talked about this it's either wayward, wayward child right? right Yeah. it's either wayward child or like transaction right and so it was either, you know what, that kid need a mentor. You know what he need? Someone to come and pick him up from jail. <laughs> and then look at him with tears in his eyes and say, little, little brother, I thought you wasn't going to never do this again. And then the little brother look and say, oh, man, you care for me. I'm never going to jail again. <laughs> like, like, that's what we call a mentorship? Like, uh, no. like no. the caring relationship is him always coming to pick you up? Like, no, it, 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 has, it has to be more natural, right? Yeah. And, and creating those more natural networks, even if you have to insert it, right? Because I remember, you know, maybe tell the story, not today, but another time. I had a mentor, and I didn't want to listen to him because I didn't think he was cool. And then he <laughs> went, you know what I mean? Seriously. And he's probably sitting somewhere because the last time I checked, he was in Switzerland, and that was in the 90s. 
Oh man. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't I didn't know any better. Yeah. Because it was the mentoring pairing. Hey, you like business kid? Yeah. Here's a guy for Warden. He likes business too. He's willing to mentor you because you're from the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, and he was cool. But it wasn't like I wasn't one of them kids. I was like, he's from the, oh, yes. I, my address said this neighborhood. It said 19139. You know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right? I was in the catchment area where we were at, had its own, what people perceived as challenges. But I wasn't one of them kids who needed a dad. Right, right. <laughs> you, right. you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think, so it's either this whole devoid of relationship networking thing of mentorship or this thing over here. But that goes into my second point about sponsorship. How mm-hmm. he was a sponsor to Diddy his whole life. And they created a relationship that was a business and personal relationship that lasted for 30 years. And that's a really special, special thing and something we take for granted because other communities sponsor each other all the time and it ain't a big deal. Yeah. You know, um, this is not a, I want this to be not be construed as a, um, a, a statement, of, a negative statement, but you'll also hear in the political world, the business world, how someone is somebody's rabbi. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's your rabbi. Okay, okay, that person, they're, they're taking care of you. You see what I'm saying? Like, but that just shows in, in that particular community the role of people sponsoring other people to have them be successful, right? Yeah. In Black Godfather, Clarence Avon talks about people being like, oh, that's Clarence Avon? Yeah, well, he's going to do this, and you're going to listen. Oh, you're going to listen? Yes, you're going to listen. Same way, I'm talking about for Puffy and what's the name? And I, I find it actually, I'm hard-pressed but I'm not saying it's not there to find outside of Clarence Avant another real exp- another real example of uh, two black executives being there for a degree of sponsorship and mentorship for 30 years. So I think that's something really important for us to try to figure out. Yeah, and I, I, I don't, what does it mean collectively? Well, it's also to be the piece of like the. We 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 sometimes you know I I would say one of the places where we will we we will have a a more common maybe appearance of of the sponsorship relationship although it it tends to be more like kind of in the like in the public advocacy community work kind of space mm-hmm. where somebody will you know acknowledge or see like okay you got some skills like they'll like yeah you know who we need to call I got, let me call this young brother man we need to get him up in here. You mean let me get this sister. like like but the the reason I make it the der- derivation because often in that publicly advo- that public advocacy space they're not setting you up where you're gonna build no financial institutions and and and, and revenue it's like we are trusting you to 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 kind of groom you to be a, a community leader mm-hmm. <laughs> right so we we do do that one I think pretty strongly but it almost is like it's also like for the person that's taking it on it's it's more you're, you're taking on this work more so than uh you know something that is going to also do these other things trans now, there might be financial realities that come with it and that's probably i think maybe where the tension lies in talking about these things or mm-hmm. being explicit about them because in 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 the, the the larger macro business world um i think probably often 
folks have to go outside of our community or have, have experienced having to go outside of our community for somebody that could sponsor them in those spaces. You know what I'm right. saying? So therefore it's a little harder to have the, for them to, um, for us to, to, to quickly pull up, you know, other, other relationships that are similar. You know what I mean? There might, there's probably some out there in, uh, in the, uh, I would imagine in, in the, in the financial, you know, trading spaces and, you know, some other places, but those may be, they're not things that are going to show up on our radar in the same way. Um, and I think it's also, you know, uh, I think it's important just because the, to, to you know, to fight, to go, go counter to that narrative about our community level of unity and brotherhood and, and men sticking together and, and that, that, that. It's like, yo, look, man, these two dudes, whatever, like even if you, if you perceive their time when, you know, he had to fire Puffy and da 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 and, and 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 there was you know at least a window in there where I've seen people share stuff you know that there was some some comments that that showed there was strain in the relationship right mm-hmm. ultimately these two men's lives were connected and that was a part like it's it's actually a, a very public reality of 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 you know men are really caring about each other you know what I mean similarly I think you could say with Clarence Avon and uh, Quincy Jones, who we you know spoke of you know in, in passing in our in our, one of our previous conversations, um, and I and I think you know we probably start pulling back the weeds and look at who's next to who, and you know do do a little. We could probably find more where it's like yeah, and that's his man. You know what I'm saying? That that's you know maybe he didn't do the the entertainment side of things. Maybe he was in another lane, but you know even the, the the reality of this show, you know that we're doing is about our brothership, our brotherhood, right, <laughs> our connection, right. you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and how that has enriched, you know, our, our personal lives, you know what I'm saying? And our, you know, professional lives, professional you, know, lives. Shared, right. you know what I'm saying? Shared experiences and, and look to do more, <laughs> you know, things together in the world, you know what I mean? While also doing the things in our lanes, you know what I mean? And also doing things where we combine. And I think that, um, I think that that type of stuff needs to be elevated, you know, because we we can fall into a world where we, um, especially as men, will get in into this like you know super rugged individualism. I'm doing it myself. I don't need no, you know, what I'm saying I don't need no teachers. I don't need no this. I don't need no that. And it's like, yo, but the reality is, you probably got some. You probably gonna need some aces along the line <laughs> to get where you're trying to go, or at least to enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and to survive and to flourish, right? Like that that's what you're talking about. Not just we had a relationship, we fell out, right? Because our music, especially hip hop, is 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 you know, just you see it everywhere, right? It's replete with those messages of like, yeah, we was down with each other, but we fell out. Yeah, Suge Knight, he was like big red from the five heartbeats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, uh Rizzo didn't break us off all the money we needed, right? Like, just, Puffy didn't do this, right? So we have all these messages, which means we can't do business together. We can't create, we can't create filaments and 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 legacy, right? Mm-hmm. So it starts to tell us a message about how we need to do business, because then at best we get a five or ten year run, right? And that's why I think their relationship is important because if if you want to frame hip hop as a five or ten year run of interaction, but they've been working with each other in some capacity for thirty years. Mm-hmm. You have to have a different conversation. Yeah. If Quincy Jones and Clarence Avon have known each other for 50, 60 years, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then you're having a, a different dialogue. 
And so that's the thing that I think we want to lift up that he really advocated. He gave people a chance. He let them in the room. There's so many besides Diddy. There's so many other people who he gave opportunities to, even if it was, hey, listen, man, I'll get you in a room with this person. You can work your mojo once you get in right. here, right? But right. I'm going to make it so you got in the room. I'm going to create a space where you can be dope, yeah. where you can be unabashedly you and dope, yeah. right? And so that is important because a lot of us start to feel like we can't be unabashedly us and dope and having someone who has our back to say, go ahead and be unabashedly you. I'll cover. You know what I mean? Right, and, right, we'll make, right. and, we'll, and we'll make this work. Right. And so what are the lessons that we can learn to do that for each other? Right. We're still being critical of each other in the best possible way. Right. Yeah. What What are the lessons that we can learn to say, how do we start doing that for brothers and sisters in a natural way? Again, not your, hey. You would be my mentor, <laughs> not speed date, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like I sent out, a, I put together a distribution list, and I sent twenty five black executives that I found on the in the, the black enterprise, you know, catalog or something. I sent them all a "Can you be my mentor?" message. Five of them gave me a maybe, so I'm gonna send them five another. You know what I mean? Like it becomes this weird, you know, marketing <laughs> self marketing thing where you the authenticity of. Um, not only am I reaching out to you because I'm earnest in my, in my, in my motivation, but also I know there's certain things I need to, to know, but also I'm, I, I am going to be respectful of whatever you open up to me is a gift, <laughs> right? And right. now it may progress from us having a, you, you know, having this one off or a couple, couple, couple cups of coffee to realize that, Hey, you know what? We actually have some common interests. And then, or so let's do something together and, or I know somebody that's looking for something that I think you could do. So I'm going to put you in place, you know, to the thing where someone says, nah, you know, we're going to make sure it happens. We're going to make sure you get through. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. If that's, you know, and if that's, that's to the, to the higher levels of, you know, you know, outside, you know, the, of the entertainment world, um, you know, the corporate world, you know, down to, you know, it, it, it it can if in most cities when you get to like diversity and hiring and trying to get you know more people into you know institutions that have traditionally not been very diverse, you will always talk about somebody that works inside of there that can help shepherd folks that are not normally there into the ages into the organization and through right. whatever its traps are or its challenges. And you know for those. You know, I'm. You know, for those that may not pick up the pieces. Speaking of our law enforcement, fire, uh, some of our other civic entities, you know, that have a history of being great places to work, but challenging to get into. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You know or the trade unions again have also often been challenging spaces to get into without somebody that can not just like oh, you got to learn the ropes of how to work here. No, no, no. They can also protect you. <laughs> they can check on stuff. They, hey, man, what's happening with uh Johnson? Why Johnson ain't on this job? Well, you know, we was, uh, well, 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 hey man, John's supposed to be on this job, man. Get Johnson in there. Right. Like right. that stuff really matters <laughs> in a lot of our communities and a lot of that, you know, functions through relationships that people have and, 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 and a common understanding that even on that level and that scale, when someone is extending that to you to make sure you get through, don't, don't blow it, fam. <laughs> Right, and, and, right. There's a symbiotic relationship, right? Yeah. There's a symbiotic relationship of excellence, 
and, and and not of like just weird adherence, like we were, you, know, you were talking about, but of excellence. Yeah. Like you got there, somebody put you in a place to be to be to be dope. You know what I mean? Somebody stuck their neck out because they saw the talent and they wanted you to win. So go ahead and win. Don't get there and feel like one you did it yourself, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's the rugged individualism. Like you get there. You they say, who did this? Me. Like Tony on top of the steps, right? I think a lot of people take the wrong things from Scarface. Oh man, look, don't get me man, we could do a whole show on that. You know what I mean? Like you took the wrong, like you took a tail where the the you know Tony lost in the end. Yeah, <laughs> like, man. Anybody Yo, that man. Watched Scarface, let me uh, let me spoiler alert. Right. Tony <laughs> gets assassinated. Tony gets assassinated. Yeah, they, you know what I mean? You know, so but people take that rugged individualism, which is why I think actually, and we can talk about that at another point, people related to it so much in that time of this like cowboy capitalism in America. People mm-hmm. could see that everything was about themselves individually. Meanwhile, all the other folks who are creating generational wealth are not doing it individually. They're doing it together. Yeah, they're doing it. They got they got networks. They have networks that, that network are team. Protecting right. each other, They're and looking out for game. each other. They have networks. Yeah, and I, right. I would, I would say that that is a, um, you know, I, I would say I think like us folks recognizing that, you know, the, the step one and the even people are like we got to come together, and it'd be like yeah, and it'd be like this existential reality of coming together like over there, <laughs> like outside. Right. I'm like yeah, but who's last person you came together with? By the way, ain't talking about that right now. <laughs> I got to go right. home and see my kids or I don't want everybody to know where my house at. What is the first operational step of coming together if you are not willing to take it either? <laughs> right. We're right. We're willing to say that something is an intellectual idea worth mimicking, but not an, uh, uh, an actual idea worth implementing. Yeah. Right. You know, Togetherness for everybody is coming to the community meeting. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? That's that's not how you build true networks. That's not how uh, mentorship and sponsorship functions. Sponsorship yeah. happens over dinners. Sponsorship happens on vacations. Sponsorship happens at during the workout. Right, like that's where the magic happens. To your point earlier, where people will mentor and sponsor someone to be a young leader, but it will only be about the struggle. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. it, it not. It, it is. Yeah, we gonna help you, brother. And then you, you know, it's like you know, what, they they be like, what about uh, you know, something else? And they be like, nah, we ain't, we ain't really. We ain't talking about that. It's a total one dimensional. It's a total one dimensional like sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a one dimensional like. This is how I'm going to help you because this is what I care about. Because when even when you look at the whole idea of like issue based networks you find they're never quite as powerful and they're never as sustaining. They're actually really good in the short term, but they're not good in the long term mm-hmm. because they're only as good as the issue at the table. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so for, for us in our community, a lot of times we come together because someone did something to us. But it's not like the deeply enriching uh, networks that sustain yeah. and, 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 and project a community. Right. And I would argue that Andre Harrell built on the shoulders of others and tried to build that. But and you know, to use the term, a beloved community that was that was about flyness. Right. Yeah. Like he tried to build, champ- he tried to build a community around champagne and bubbles, baby. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you could get caught in the slang, but 
forget the bigger picture. Yeah. He wanted a generation of black uh, executives to be able to be them and put people up and other people on to create that virtuous cycle. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's the level of accountability that we all need to try to embody, even if you don't like champagne and bubbles, even if you don't like putting them, the, putting that on <laughs> in the dance right. floor. You know what I mean? You can still right. that life. You out ain't, here. you ain't a, uh, was it four seasons brunch type cat? That's cool. You don't gotta be, you don't gotta be that, but you know what I'm saying? You do need to, to it, it's, it's understanding that we, we need, um, cause that was one of the things I perceived, you know, scanning social media and other stuff was different skilled professionals who were giving props like, yo, Andre did this for me, da, 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 this happened. Um, and I, and I, and I think it's awesome. Often, at least I don't say, I'm not going to say it's, I'm not going to frame it in the negative. I'm going to frame it in the, the affirmative. I am an advocate of, we need to elevate that people have skills and professions and abilities. And these people are not new. It's actually a part of what we're, what we, when we start talking about with young people and what you're going to do with yourself and your potential and blah, 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 blah. It's like, yo, we want you to be skilled to do something that can help us do the things we want to do together. Right. Like that you can, you know, first you can take care of yourself. Then you can take care of the ones you love. Then you can extend some of that energy to the rest of what's going on around you. Um, and I, I think that if we, when we're thinking about connecting and doing stuff and, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of jokes around like, yeah, brother, we need to collab. You know what I mean? People are, because the, the follow up to the collab, you, and we remember this from the, from the days of rapping, you know, brother, oh man, we should do, we should do some songs together. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. But then what? <laughs> like what, what, you know, if you just thinking about making music as the end of making the song and the song exists on a dat tape somewhere, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you put it on a CD. This is you dated yourself. I gotta get a, the youngest structure. I gotta give them some, some <laughs> concepts because they because they live in an age oh, where you can at least have the the perception of distribution because it's on the internet, right? When you had to put that thing on something and try to figure out a way to get other people to hear this, whatever this is, all you had was a physical physical piece of media, right? You know what I'm saying? Like the 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 challenge still exists. If you put a 57 song mixtape together, uh, and it's on your website, it's on your uh, I I name them all. The SoundCloud, it's on the uh, the what's the one with the um, with with the what's it? Oh, I can't remember the name of it, man. Uh. That piff is on the uh the other one with the brown off color with the beige colors and you can release your own music. You got it on the maybe you got it on the United Masters. I don't know how that works yet. That's a new that's a new thing. You know what right. I mean? Whatever it's at, just because it exists and it's there, it still doesn't mean that anyone's ever gonna listen to it, hear it, be a part of it. There's a whole other everything that shows up in our worlds. Someone puts time and intention also into getting it in front of us, and there's a whole apparatus that makes those things happen. Um, and and I and I I try to move out of because I think sometimes we will talk about that apparatus in this sort of like, you know, that's the machine, the media machine trying to make us blah 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? The media machine ain't a problem when it says the stuff we like. <laughs> the media machine right. becomes an issue when it starts talking about something that we don't like. You know, referencing back to where we started with that this conversation around cultural power. Right, the nobody care about uh, me and you listening to DAS until the songs on DAS started getting played on Power ninety nine. They had to change, you know, what I mean, they format. That's right. 
You know what I mean? Then it was like, oh, wait, wait, hold, what's going on? Like, you know what I'm saying? Nobody really cared about, you know, what what was what was the the larger nature of of, of a dude. Um uh, you know, as I recently watched a clip of uh, some kind of I don't know what kind of band singing a sing a, a musical rendition of 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 uh of a Snoop Dogg song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say it that way because I don't feel like using expletives at the moment. Um and you know, my man's got to 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 the nigga and just, just threw it right out there. Like just sung it <laughs> like and the niggas ain't shit. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like y'all wasn't even supposed to be singing that, but nobody cared if we were singing that, you know, to ourselves till it it penetrated the larger spectrum, right? And then right. and then it had to be packaged in a certain way for the for the for the larger world to embrace it. I mean, it, it, it just as an aside, it, this is a, a quarter baked thought, but you know, as much as we derided sort of the jiggy dancing and, you know, look at all them shiny suits rapping at a certain times in our lives, you know, there's, there's something of an achievement that you convinced people who didn't really want to see us that way that they embrace it. Now they did embrace it with a certain level of like, look at the clowns. However, they also was dancing, you know, and as I've, I've said multiple times in the last two years on some of the other Ashley Oya podcasts, I've been in several, um, charitable event fundraising spaces that were not necessarily like a, you know, Morehouse class of 95 reunion. And, um, the music being played was a lot of the hip hop that we couldn't hear on the radio when we were like there when it happened, <laughs> but that music can now be the soundtrack to this, you know, fundraising event or, or the, or to a, uh, uh, some other public forum, you know, because, you know, one good music, but two, the the relationship has changed, you know, and so more people can sit with both of these ideas and not kind of go, ooh, I don't understand what angle they're coming at. No, I had to, I had to have a come to justice reality about again, I, and Andre Harrell lives all through this, but it's even relevant to your point. People want to dance; they don't want to take an obscure break or. You know, if you can make a real good jazz break enjoyable to listen to and party, cool, right? <laughs> but what people want to dance is what they already know. So the idea of getting people on the dance floor and having hip-hop be a space where, yes, this is a space where globally you can hear, like, stuff you remember or stuff that feels good to you on the first listen. Because you know how, like, certain hip-hop, it takes two listens or three listens. Like, like, okay, wait, hold on. Oh, okay. You hear that sample? Oh, yeah. oh okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you hear what he said there? Like, it, it, it takes, like, you need a Rosetta Stone to be able to figure out, like, why you like it, right? There is something to the simplicity of, damn, this is enjoyable. Let me engage it, right? And again, it goes back to that whole Harlem idea. Like, Curtis Blow was rhyming over instrumentals. Mm-hmm. He wasn't rhyming over samples, right? Like the whole DJ Hollywood stuff, they were rhyming. They, he was talking. He was talking and talk over samples. Even Brucey e. B and all them. Once they would spin the records back, they were just talking over samples everyone knew mm. to have fun. To have, so so again, it got to the point where hip hop wasn't about fun. It was about some sort of like algebra test. Mm. <laughs> and we fell victim to it. We did all kind of music like. Talking about that, right? But you know what's funny? We did that, but at the same time, we're using really recognizable samples. 
Oh yeah, we was trying to trying to jam it out, man. Let's jam this thing. So even if we was like talking complicated shit, we like (laughs) and definitely. But as I would say, when for those who never had the pleasure to experience, you know those shows, we tried to have fun, man. (laughs) Like I didn't come on stage up here to like depress everybody and make y'all mad and surly. Even if I'm mad and surly. I'm gonna smile. I want to dance. I want you know do some hip thrusts and stuff up here with my microphone. And, you know what I mean? Let you know what time it is. Like Justice, aka Jackie Wilson. Hey, <laughs> you know what I'm saying like they, they can't show me on TV in the fifties. <laughs> oh, they only show my shoulders and like my, my bottom and my hair was long, so they would only show like my shoulders and my eyebrows, and they would have cut the rest out. Like we can't let all that long hair and the and the hip gyrating. <laughs> it might cause a stir. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I think it's a you know you know I guess it's, in some ways it's a privilege and a um to to grow to live to an age where you can see kind of where the threads of stuff that was going on in your younger life like where they went right and that they had other you know positive things or that also even if something was great in the moment it was great for the moment. You didn't right. have to take it that serious. You could have just enjoyed that and then moved on, you know, if it wasn't your bag. And 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 that's okay. Like that's not actually it's not the end of our community <laughs> if 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 this song is not, you know, the best message. You right. know, now we can right. and, and and again, it, and to your point, it's like that complicated thing of guess what? Everything that we do is not gonna be have to be packaged in the idea of being for the movement. Yeah. Right. Like some some of it is just some form of human expression, aka Ronald Osley's brick house. <laughs> that was not <laughs> beneficial to the movement. It was beneficial to the party, and maybe some people at like the movement was in the party. Right. Yeah. Like the like the whole uh, just real quickly. Uh, there's this whole story about Bunchy Carter, where like in, in for context, Bunchy Carter for folks who was the head of the Slawsons uh, Street uh, organization in L.A. who then became one of the the uh, what most well-known um, members of the Black Panther Party mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, and there's a direct correlation. If you really understand it, between Bunchy Carter and Nipsey Hussle, um, but Bunchy Carter would come into the party. They would be dancing. He would stop the music, get up, and talk for two minutes. He'd be like, "Yeah, man. So you know, we need to feed these kids. You know what I mean? Tomorrow on Sloss and the Crenshaw, and y'all need to be thinking about your community, loving your people." All right, I'm about to dance again. Put the music back on. <laughs> Put the music back on. Then he start he start moving his hips, right? And people right. like, hey, he's the best dancer ever. Plus, he's a gangster. Plus, he's conscious, right? So the two minutes he took to stop the music, right? See what he said and put the music back on and go back to dancing and dear people to him. Yeah. That was a, that was something we didn't get then, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's now an understanding of even our conversation around black, black as fuck. Yo, listen, man, some, some of this stuff is just going to be funny. It's going to be, it's going to have a larger, broader point, but it's going to be funny. Yeah. It's going, you're going to get these jokes. You're going to get them, <laughs> man. You're going to get the dystopian reality, man. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, you know, we could talk about the. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of Bomani Jones and he, he a regular thing of his, some of his uh, shows. I'll talk about it. Look, man, I know this is a serious social matter and complicated issues going on, but also, man, there's some good jokes here. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some, some funny stuff going on here that we should make some jokes about and laugh. You know what I mean? And I, I think that there's a, you know, the ability and, and you know, we're getting close. I would say, I mean, even as my, maybe my closing thought on, on this conversation is, I think taking the best part is always, is to me, is also about seeing the um, the great things, the good things that someone has done, the challenging parts that came out of it, the the product, you know what I mean, of some of their, you know, creative work in their mind and the way they move through the world. And then also some of the stuff that's like, yeah, you know, I see you 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 picked up that particular artist. That turned out to be a, a, a real stinker, but that's all right. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? You know what I mean? That might have worked out in a different time. You know what I mean? And then knowing that the good comes with the bad, or maybe that's a better question for you, that is that the bad sometimes comes with the good. You know what I mean? And and the importance of committing yourself to to being supportive to other people, you know, which is I would say is my um biggest kind of salient takeaway. Um, you know, and that sometimes you may need to be the mentor, um, or the sponsor or the both. You know what I'm saying? And then recognize independent that what you're doing, you know, what kind of power you hold and where do you hold it? You know what I mean? If, if your bag is not cultural power, you know what I mean? If your bag is a, is a different type of power that you're trying to elevate or accentuate, cool. But but also with that, understand that you, you're you not going to do it alone. You're going to have to bring right. some people on. You're going to have to, somebody may have to put you on. Somebody had to give you some opportunities or open some doors or at least point you in the right direction or be able to tap you on the shoulder before you bump your head. And then, um, you know, be ready for that. And uh, that that's that's my takeaway. Well, how about you? Being intentional. Be intentional, man. Know what you're doing when you do it. At a certain point, don't just fall into something, right? Andre Hero knew what he was doing. He knew he was taking a lifestyle he had seen and wanting to project it to the world and wanting to empower black people along with it when he did that. So one is like, how are you intentional and how are you intentional about your relationships? And this is this is really a challenge. Who are you? Mentoring and sponsoring. Mm. And then who's mentoring and sponsoring you? How are you letting the cycle be unbroken? How are you getting your Lion King on? Right. Like, what does that look like? And if you can't say that you're in that position, that means you need to change one of the two. Maybe you're mentoring and sponsoring someone, but you're not being mentored and sponsored. And again, that ad that starts to say, well, what networks are you connecting with? Are you being present? Or are you just going in the house? Mm. Right. And then on the flip side, if you're being mentored, if you are fortunate enough to be mentored and sponsored, but have the audacity to not mentor and sponsor someone else. Then the question starts to be, then you might be Tony on the top of the steps, right? You might be Tony Montana because you might think that you got here all by yourself. That there was no one else that was willing to help you, right? There was no one else willing to support you. And you might be playing into your own form of paranoia and your own self and created self-induced fantasy about how the world works. So mm. to me, the best part of what Andre Harrell did besides give a champagne and bubbles, which please check out that playlist with him and DJ Cassidy. If you ever get a chance, <laughs> um, black excellence and grown and sexy, as well as strictly business. One of my favorite movies. Um, he, he gave us and crystallized this idea of cultural power 
through the touchstone of Harlem, you know, which we know is Mecca. Indeed. And has fostered something that is still happening to this day. When you see these black tie parties, when you see these things that you're, that's happening in hip hop and rappers and, and business people throwing these swanky suave events, know that they got that lot. Someone got it from someone, from someone who got it from Andre Harrell. You know what I mean? Indeed. So Indeed. it's just like everything comes from somewhere. There's no mystery process. <laughs> and there's, <laughs> there's no mystery solution. Indeed. Peace. Peace.